0: There are some of us who get really happy when we do one great big thing for God a year. You know, we, we say, man, on November 26th, man, I did something awesome for God. And I know that, that all of heaven is applauding for all the wonderful things that I did, that one big thing that year. And you know, Many of us, we have perhaps maybe two or three things that we do that is big for God a year. But listen, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord is not interested in what you did on November 26th. He's only interested in what you've done every day over the course of your life. You see God is not concerned about the occasional biggies that you do. He's concerned about the obe- the consistent obedience that you give to him on a daily basis. He's more concerned about whether you and I are going to be faithful throughout our whole lives unto him. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, the subject of faithfulness, being faithful to God. And tonight we're going to look at what the Bible says about this subject. And the Bible says a lot about faithfulness. And we're going to look at a little bit about God's faithfulness and what the Bible says about his faithfulness. We're going to look at what the Bible says about man's faithfulness and man's unfaithfulness. We're going to take a look at the importance of faithfulness. Why is faithfulness so important in a Christian's life? We're going to take a look at also as, uh, uh, the blessings that come through faithfulness. Amen. And so if you have your Bibles with you, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 8. While you're going there, let me just give you some definitions for the word faithful. The word faithful means to be strict or thorough in the performance of a duty. It means to be true to one's word, promises, or vows. It also means to be steady in allegiance or affection to someone, loyal, constant, like a faithful friend. It also means to be reliable, trusted, or believed. Faithfulness... Or to be faithful means to, be consist- to consistently give to God your best in what he calls you to do. In other words, what faithfulness really is, is, to be, is to, to be reliable, to be trustworthy, to be steadfast, to be consistent, and to be unwavering. And one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves is, am I faithful to God? That's pretty interesting. Am I faithful to God? Am I loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I steadfast? Am I trustworthy? Am I reliable? Am I consistent? Am I constant with the Lord? Does Jesus Christ see me as someone he can trust and rely on? And those are very important questions that we need to ask ourselves. And by the end of the day, we'll pretty much know the answer. But let's look at 1 Kings chapter 8 because over and over we see in the Bible that when God says he will do something, he's going to do it, even if it seems impossible. In 1 Kings chapter 8, in verse 56 says this, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There was not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through their servant Moses. Listen to what he says. He said he gave rest to his people according to the promise that he made to them. And he kept that promise. And he says not one word failed of his promise that he made. That's faithfulness. Let me give you another verse of scripture. And it's, not in, it's not in the, uh, the list there. But uh, you don't need to turn there. But it's Numbers 23 verse 19. A very familiar passage of scripture where it says that God is not a man that he should lie. In other words, not a lie has ever uttered through the mouth of God. Neither is he a son of man that he should repent. Or, you know, he's not a man that he would say one thing one day and then change his mind the next. It says, has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? When God says something will happen, it will happen. And this is true in the past in the present as well as in the future. Now, go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. You know, if this were not the case, if God was to be unfaithful even once, then he wouldn't be God. and we, we wouldn't be able to rely on his promises or any of his promises for that matter. But we know that God is eternally reliable eternally trustworthy eternally constant eternally unwavering eternally consistent because that's who God is faithfulness is a part of his inherent attributes in Deuteronomy chapter 7 in verse 9 it says this therefore know that the Lord your God he is God The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy. Listen, not for a day, not for a week, not for a year, not for 50 years, not even for 100 years, but what? For a thousand generations. That means that God is faithful yesterday, today, and for next thousand generations to come. With those who love him and keep his commandments. Let's look at another verse. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. We're looking at the faithfulness of God. And one of the things about God's faithfulness is that he doesn't have to work hard to be faithful. Because he is faithful. It's part of his personality. It's part of his attribute. He can't help but to be faithful. In Hebrews 10 and verse 23 says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope or faith without wavering. For he who he promised is faithful, trustworthy, reliable. I'll give you one more. Another very uh, familiar passage of scripture in 1 John 1, 9 where it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Think about that. Every time we fall, every time we sin, it is very hard to go before God filled with shame and guilt, especially if it's something we've fallen over several times. It's very difficult to come to God and say, Lord, I know you've heard this before. But the fact that he is faithful makes it all that much easier to go to God and ask for forgiveness Because his faithfulness, because he is trustworthy, he is reliable. So we know that if I ask for forgiveness by confessing my sin, I know that he can be trusted to forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. Even when it comes to forgiving our sins. Then we look at the faithfulness of man. And much is said in the Bible about the faithfulness of man. We you know, we focus too much sometimes on God's faithfulness and not enough about our own faithfulness. We like to hear messages about God's faithfulness to us. But since God's faithfulness is never in question, I think that we need to hear more preaching about our own faithfulness or lack thereof. But in Nehemiah chapter 7, if you go there, you see, when a person walks consistently and steadfastly with God in humble service to him, you can say that he or she is faithful. In Nehemiah chapter 7, we read the story where Nehemiah had come down to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. At that time, he heard it was in ruins. And so he had to go back and hire some men and be able to build it together and put it back up and restore it back to where it, once be, well, it was before. And even in the midst of opposition and even in the midst of, of, of persecution, he was able to put the walls and the gates up together in record time. Nehemiah showed himself faithful because even in the midst of all that trouble, he still was able to rebuild that wall. Now that he finished rebuilding the wall, now it was time for him to go back to Persia. But before he did, he had to appoint men to make sure that Jerusalem continues to progress. And we pick up in verse 1 where it says, Then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hananiah, and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. So the reason why he chose Hananiah wasn't because of the quality that he demonstrated. That quality is faithfulness. And those are one of the important qualities in leadership. Is to be faithful, to be committed. And Paul, I mean, and Nehemiah saw that and he was able to put him and his brother Hananiah in charge so that he can be able to go back. He needed men that he can trust. Men that he knew that would not, uh, that would not uh, compromise their faith. Men that he knew would not, that would not take bribes. Men that he knew that would not slack off. Men that he knew that would, that would commit to taking care of the needs of the people and even uphold the integrity of their office. And he found those two men because they were faithful. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is a Bible study, so we're going to look into several scriptures tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I believe that as we continue on the rest of the evening, as we continue on this subject, I believe that God is going to speak to each and every one of you right where you are about your own faithfulness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes to his, to his, uh, to his mentor, uh, not his mentor, but one of his students. And he says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus verse 2 says, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. It's interesting. When Paul wrote to Timothy, understand that Paul was towards the end of his life and he knew that at the end was near. But he wanted to make sure that Timothy, that everything that he invested in Timothy, everything that he deposited into him, everything that he had taught him, that Timothy would do the very same thing to other men. But not just to any men, but faithful men who he knew that would take what Timothy would teach them and give it to others. See, it was, Paul's, Paul was, it was important to Paul to make sure that that message, the teaching, would continue on through others. But he needed faithful men to be able to teach others the things that Paul had taught Timothy. And so again, we see that word faithfulness and how important it is, especially when it comes to ministering the word to others. Now go to 2 Chronicles chapter 19. Because it's through these faithful men that the truth of God would be preserved in the church and would be taught and preached throughout the world but it took faithful men to do that in 2nd Chronicles chapter 19 we read where King Jehoshaphat had become king over Judah and began to make some changes and, and, and begin a reform program a lot of changes were being made and as he was doing that he was also appointing certain leaders to, to, uh, to, to with certain responsibilities and in 2nd Chronicles chapter 19 in verse 9 he says this And he gave these orders or these commands saying, you must serve faithfully and wholeheartedly in the fear of the Lord. And again, we see that word faithful again, how it's coming up every time men are called to do something, to lead or or, or to oversee something. It requires faithful men and women. Now go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And Paul was a perfect example of this. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12 says this. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I want you to notice what Paul says here. He did not say that he put himself in the ministry. He didn't say that he was chosen to be put into the ministry. He didn't choose to become, to be in ministry because he thought it would be a good, uh, a good job or you know something that he could do, a good profession. He didn't say that he, became, uh, he came into ministry because he thought that people would like him as a good minister. No, the only reason why he was in ministry is only for one reason and one reason only. And the scripture says that Christ Jesus had chose him and put him into the ministry because... He was faithful. Right. Amen. And that word enable in the Greek means to strengthen or to give power to. So when Christ noticed the faithfulness of Paul, he called him to the ministry and empowered him and strengthened him to carry out the work that he called him to do. But because he was faithful, God called him into the ministry. You know, and I believe that God is still looking for men and women today who are faithful, who are trustworthy, who are reliable, that he can call to do the work of the kingdom, whom he can empower to carry out his work. But he, they need to be faithful. They need to be trustworthy. They need to be reliable. And 1 Corinthians 4 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Now, let's look at some examples and just giving you some verses. You don't have to write these down, but just as references. Some examples of faithfulness. We look at Silas in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 12 where Peter mentions uh, Silas or Silvanus and he considered him a faithful brother. It says, by Salvanus our Faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. Then we have another gentleman in Ephesians chapter six and verse 21. That's Ephesians six and verse 21, where it says, "But you also may know my affairs and how I am doing and how I'm doing a beloved brother and faithful minister to the Lord will make all things known to you. So we look at Tychicus, and I know you've probably never even heard of him, but he was mentioned by the apostle Paul, and he was considered as being faithful. Then in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7, we, Paul mentions Epaphras. And Epaphras was also considered a faithful minister of Christ. And then finally, one last one. In Colossians 4 and 9, Where Paul mentions Onesimus. And he was considered to be a beloved brother and faithful. So these are all men that played a very critical role. And here's the thing. They may not have been along the same scale or same stage as the Apostle Paul. Or or the Apostle Peter or all the other apostles. They may have been more behind the scenes. And the thing is that not much is known about these men. But we do know one thing that they all have something in common. That they were all faithful. And listen, faithfulness even in small matters or even in a small arena is known to God and is recognized by God and he will reward that in the end. So it doesn't matter how small the arena or how small the matter. If you are faithful, he will know it and he will recognize it and he will reward it. Luke 19 and verse 17 says this, And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. Now go to Proverbs chapter 20, and let's look at some examples of unfaithfulness. Proverbs chapter 20, and verse 6. The scriptures make mention of, of how difficult it is to find faithful men and women. Matter of fact, faithfulness has become a rare quality today, and unfortunately, especially in the church. But in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6 says this: Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Now go quickly to Psalm 12, and the psalmist writes a cry for help. In Psalm 12 verse 1, says, "Help." O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing and the faithful have vanished from the earth. You know, we live in a day a society where unfaithfulness has run rampant, especially in marriages. Where it's common for men to become unfaithful to their wives, and it has become common for wives to become unfaithful to their husbands. Faithfulness is a very rare quality in marriage. Faithfulness is a very rare quality in life. Even in the workplace, even in the church, faithfulness is a very hard quality to find. In Matthew chapter 26, we see even Peter, while he was still a disciple, even he had a moment of unfaithfulness. And we read in verse 31 where Jesus had just finished the final supper with his disciples. And he had them all gathered together. And he said these words he was about to share with them what was about to take place that night. And he says, all of you will be made to stumble or fall because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. The shepherd meaning Jesus and the sheep was referred to as the disciples. Now, Peter, as rambunctious as he was, in verse 33, replies to that statement. He says, Lord, even if, all, even if we all fall away on account of you, I never will. And then Jesus responds to that and say, Peter, especially you, I tell you the truth. He says, this very night, before the rooster's crow, you will disown me. Three times. And then Peter, having to have the last word, instead of just keeping his mouth shut after Jesus said that. No, he had to put in the last word and make this final statement and said it. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all of the other disciples said the same. And then the story goes where Jesus was apprehended and arrested. And all of the disciples scattered except Peter. Peter stood back and hid. And as he was following Jesus, three times, three people, three different times, three different people approached him and recognized him as someone who was associated with Jesus. And each time he denied it. And after the third time he denied it, the cock crowed. And in verse 75... Peter remembered the words of Jesus who said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so he went out and he wept bitterly. Even Peter had his own moments of unfaithfulness. Let's look at one other. Matthew chapter 25. And this is the story of the the parable of the ten talents. And you know the story. Three servants were called by his master who was getting ready to go on a long journey. He called his three uh, servants and each gave a certain amount of talents, each according to their own ability. The first servant he gave five, the second he gave two, and the third he gave one. When he came back, the first two doubled their talents. The third one, well, he was, that was an issue. And we're going to pick up in verse 24 because the, the master approaches him. And when he came to the master with his talent, he said this. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. And of course, the master being angry with him, call him an unfaithful servant. And then look down in verse 28. And he says, therefore... Take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. Now quickly go to Luke chapter 16. Because of his unfaithfulness, and it wasn't because of a lack of ability, because he was given that one talent which was according to his ability. In other words, it was something he was able to handle. But it was because of his lack of effort, his unreliability, his untrustworthiness that caused him to come with that one talent and he made no effort at all to try to double it like the other two servants and because of that he was taking the one talent that God had given him or the master gave him in Luke chapter 16 and verse 12 I'm going to read this in New Living Translation and if you are not faithful with other people's things why should you be trusted with the things of your own now I like what the message translation says it says if you're not honest in small jobs who will put you in charge of the store Faithfulness is very important. Speaking of importance, let's talk about how important faithfulness is. Why is faithfulness to God so important in a Christian's life? Well, because without faithfulness, there wouldn't be a Christian life. Who would God trust? Who would God rely on to lay hands on sick? Who would God call on to preach the gospel to someone? Who would God depend on to pray for somebody? Without faithfulness, there wouldn't be a Christian life. Our faithfulness is simply a commitment to believe and to follow the one true God who is supreme and to to keep his commandments, to do what he's called us to do. Even in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3 through 5, where the Ten Commandments are listed, the first two commandments... Uh, 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 directly deals with our being faithful to God let me read this to you you don't have to turn there but in Exodus verses 3 through 5 chapter 20 says this you shall have no other gods before me you shall not make yourself for for an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God Now these words were given directly from God to Moses for all people, for all time. That includes us. And since God had already entered into covenant with these people, he was declaring by his commandment that he will not tolerate unfaithfulness and competition with anything or anyone. God says here that we are not to make for ourselves an idol in the form of anything. An idol can be in the form of anything that you might place as a high priority over God. In other words, placing something or anything in our lives as considered to be important over God. And my friends, if we find ourselves doing this very thing, if we're placing other things as a priority over God or as important to God, then we can consider ourselves as unfaithful. See, God doesn't want any competition from anything or anyone. He wants to be the only one. Go to Luke chapter 16 if you're still there. Let's talk about being faithful in the little things. And we touched on it a little bit. But too many people are not faithful even in the little things. I find they can't be depended upon about many things, even to perform even the simplest tasks. They don't always keep their promises. They make appointments and don't keep them. They write their names on a volunteer list and don't show up. They come late to their engagement, so sometimes they don't even show up at all. They're neglectful and unfaithful even in the little things. Now, these people may be good and well-intentioned. But the problem is, is that their lives are characterized by a lack of faithfulness. And faithfulness, listen to me very carefully what I'm about to say. Faithfulness in the little things is a big thing to God. I'll say that again. Faithfulness in the little things is a big thing to God. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 says this, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Now, I was reading a story the other day about a professional man who had applied for a high-level position with a huge corporation. And as he went into the interview, after the interview, the CEO who had interviewed him invited him to go lunch with him at the company cafeteria. Now as they went to the cafeteria, the CEO was sitting at the table and he was just simply watching the man as he walked in, along the cafeteria line getting his meal. But he noticed that, that the man took a, a two-cent pat of butter and he hid it under his bread so that he didn't have to pay for it. Now it's interesting that the CEO caught that because the CEO thought to himself this. He said, if this man will be unfaithful in something so small, then he's not the kind of man I can trust in my business. Needless to say, this man lost what was probably the best job of his life. All because of something so small as a pat of two-cent butter. If God can't trust you, with the little things. How do you expect them to trust you over big things? You know, we're like Christians who want to sow and reap on the same day. You can't reap on the same day that you sow. But if you find yourself faithful as as you're sowing and waiting, you will reap a harvest. But you can't reap On the same day that you sow. Because of this. The Lord would question us. When we stand before him as believers. And the question he would ask us is not. How many times we've been noticed. Or what we've accomplished. But what he would ask us is. Were you faithful in fulfilling your calling where I placed you? You see, the criteria for rewards or lack thereof is faithfulness. And faithfulness is important to God. Oh boy, I want to take off from here, but I need to contain myself here. But God is calling out a people to be faithful to him and in his kingdom work. And the question you need to ask yourself is, are you faithful enough to be called of God. And to carry out his will. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. When Paul wrote the letter to, to the Ephesian church. He wrote it from prison in Rome. As a matter of fact. It was there in prison that he wrote what, what is commonly known as the, the, the prison epistles. That is. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and also the uh, the, the letter to Philemon. <clears throat> and we know this because in verse twenty he says, "I am an ambassador in chains." So we know that he was in prison when he wrote this letter. But in Ephesians chapter six and verse twenty-one, Paul write in his letter to the Ephesian church saying this in verse twenty-one: "But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tushikus." a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you. Now look over in Colossians chapter 4. Another epistle that he wrote from prison. In chapter 4, beginning verse 7, once again he mentions the name Tushikas, which is one of his servants. He said, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me I am sending him to you in verse 8 for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. Understand that Paul had to rely on Tychicus because he was not able to get out of prison and go and preach the gospel like he had done before. The scriptures say that he turned the whole world upside down. But part of that was when he was in prison. And the quite, well, I'm getting ahead of myself again. Go to Philippians chapter 1. I want to read something to you that I found that was very, very interesting. Philippians chapter 1. Another letter that he wrote from prison. And beginning in verse 12. Says this. Now I want you to know brothers. That what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now that struck me as funny. He says that the gospel was being advanced. And he also mentioned what would happen to me. Was really served to advance the gospel. What happened to him. What well, he was talking about his imprisonment. That's what happened to him. But he says, even while I'm in prison, though, the gospel was still advancing. And the question I have is this. How can a gospel be advanced? How can a gospel go forth? How can the world be turned upside down if the apostle Paul was in prison? It's because of faithful men like Tushicus, Onesimus, Epaphras, Silas, men like these who are willing to be faithful servants of God to carry out the letters to these churches and throughout the world. If it hadn't been for them, we probably wouldn't even have a Bible. But somebody had to carry the scriptures, somebody had to carry these letters to these churches. And Paul had trusted in Tushikos, and sent them and gave them the most important task. And that task was to personally deliver some of these original letters over hundreds of miles of perilous journey to get this gospel to the churches. Faithfulness is an important word, an important quality. As a matter of fact, faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 and if we allow the Holy Ghost to freedom to develop that faithfulness in us, man, we can be very powerful, faithful men and women of God to carry out God's will, be trustworthy and reliable to carry out whatever it is that God calls us to do. We have all been called to be faithful. We've been called to be faithful. Praise the Lord. The presence of God is here. We have been faithful to God and to his word. We have been called to be faithful to the local church. We have been called to be faithful to our families and to our spouses. We have been called to be faithful even over our finances. We have been called to be faithful in our workplace. Let me talk to you a little bit about our workplace. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 beginning in verse 5 says this bond servants be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ verse 6 not with eye service as men pleases but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. verse 7 says, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. The principle here is the employee and the employer. To be faithful at our workplace is to work hard and enthusiastically and faithfully and not just when your boss is around. Ephesians uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter 9 in the first part of verse 10 says that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Paul is telling us here that we are to work as though we're working for the Lord, as, as though he was our boss. I think I shared this with, with some of you one time where I had a good friend who had a very good job working for the government. And he had a manager's position. And here's the thing. The position that he held required an education and special training. But because he found favor with man, he was able to assume that position without the education and without the training. And, and he was a very bright guy anyways. Uh, but, but he had a boss, a supervisor, that did not like him. As a matter of fact, he would be considered to be a person of questionable character, if you will. And one day he had approached my friend and asked him to do something that was dishonest. And my friend refused because of who he was in Christ. Sometimes we're called to be a witness, even when it's going to cost us something. And it cost him something. Because what happened was that because he refused to go with his friend, I mean, to to do what his supervisor asked him to do, he received all kinds of persecution and false accusation. As a matter of fact, because of the fact that somehow, apparently the, the, the supervisor went and did what he did, and somehow it got back, but the blame fell on my friend. And so what happened was they took him out of this manager's position and put him sort of in limbo. And there was two choices. There were two things that they could have done, either to terminate him or to demote him to one of the worst departments in the company. Now, as they were doing their investigation, rather than just coming to work and not doing anything because he wasn't doing anything, he was just coming to work and just sitting around. So what they did was they set him up and said, okay, since you're going to be here, we might as well just train you. So for a whole year, he went to work. Being taught and trained. And here's the thing. Some of the training that he had received would cost thousands of dollars. For those if if, if he had paid for himself. But because the government was paying for him. Because they figured well you know he's coming to work. He's getting paid. At least you know let's train him. At least. But I remember the times that he would come to my house. And there were times he would be angry. Because of the way he was being treated. Even people that he thought he would trust. People that he thought would come by his side and support him. But he didn't even get that. So it became a very lonely place for him to be. And, and he would come to my house and he'd be angry and just venting or something. There were times when he would just have tears in his eyes and crying. <clears throat> there were times he wanted just to quit. And of course, you know, I, and I think it was a union. He, somebody, he had somebody representing him. And, but it was a very tough situation for him to go through. Very tough. Having to go to work, not having his job, not knowing whether he's going to have his job at all. Or or worse, be placed in that, that worst place. Well, it was a year went by, he stayed faithful. He did what he knew to do. And God turned it around. Because what happened was they found out that the supervisor had lied. And he was the one responsible for all that. And here's the thing. During the time that he was waiting, the supervisor did everything he could to either try to get him terminated or demoted to that worst department. Well, it turned out that the supervisor ended up getting demoted and working in the worst department himself. And he was re- and my friend was restored back to his place. And not only that, he was completely trained after a year of training. And he, all of the, he, was, he was very well equipped to do his job. Because even in the process, God was already setting him up. But because he remained faithful, he hung in there as tough and as difficult as it was for him. But yet God vindicated him, turned the situation around, and exposed the truth. (laughs) And I love telling that story because it reminds me how God faithful is to us. And the scripture says in Ephesians 6 and verse 8, Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same good from the Lord whether you're a slave or free. See, when you do good, even in a very difficult time, and you stay faithful, God will make sure that that good comes right back at you. That's just the way God works. That's just the way he rolls. Galatians chapter 6, go there. God wants us to work faithfully and enthusiastically wherever we are, and we do it as unto the Lord. And we have to be faithful in the stage that you're in. Now I know there are some of you here that may be working at a jobs that you don't like. Perhaps maybe you're working in a place where you don't like your, your boss because they don't like you. Maybe you're working at a place that, that the environment just thinks that you don't like the environment. Maybe you don't like the people that work there. Maybe you're dealing with a lot of stuff and you just don't like your job. But listen to me. Stay in the stage that God has placed you. Stay right where you are and be faithful. Because in due season, God will bring promotions. God will bring new opportunities. And God will bring new challenges. Listen, God is going to, he's either going to move you out to a better place or he's going to move you up. But you've got to stay faithful in the stage that he's placed you. Don't try to change places. I mean, there's nothing wrong with trying to look for a better job. But if there's no better job out there, don't think about quitting. Stay where you are. Be faithful. And understand this, that wherever you are, wherever you're working, you are there on assignment. And if you show yourself faithful in the little things, by coming to work and having a good attitude, because listen, wrong attitude is unfaithfulness. So I'm telling you that if you have a bad attitude when you go to work, change your attitude. Because that's not faith. that doesn't demonstrate faithfulness. It demonstrates unfaithfulness. But I'm talking to somebody here tonight. Stay in the stage that you're in. Don't try to change it. Just be faithful. Change your attitude and trust God to bless you in where you are. And God will do that. He's the one that brings promotions. Promotions. He's the one that does it all. He's the one that provides you with op- opportunities and open doors. So trust in that because when you go to work, you're working for the Lord Jesus. Amen. That's who your employer is. So make sure you work hard, enthusiastically, and faithful. That may require some attitude change and some attitude adjustment. But you know what? You have faithfulness in you because it's part of the fruits of the Spirit. And allow the Spirit of God to be free to develop that in you. And before you know it, you'll see how it comes easy. Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says this And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Glory to God. And I know some of you are at a point of weariness, but the Bible says, don't grow weary. But rather, do good. Continue to do good. Because there will be a season that all that will change. And season means change. So look for it. Look for the changing of the seasons where you are. Now let's look at some of the benefits before we close. Proverbs 28 verse 20. Faithfulness is the key to God's blessings. You know, it pays to be faithful because faithfulness does have its rewards. And of course, not only in this life, but also in the life to come. But in Proverbs 28, verse 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. I like what it says here. He says, it didn't say a faithful man will be blessed. It says that a faithful man will abound in blessings. That word abound means big, great, multiplication. It will abound with blessings. Why? Because he is a faithful man. Go to Matthew chapter 25. Faithfulness will produce promotions. Will open doors for promotions. And in Matthew 25 to 21 says, And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Go to Psalm 37 and verse 28. Faithfulness will also provide God, will also provide you with protection and God will never abandon you because you are faithful to him. And Psalm 37 and verse 28 says this, For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever. Forever. But the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. Go to Psalm 31. 31 in verse 23. God will be a constant guard and a watchman over your life for the rest of your life. He says in verse 23. "Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord will preserve the faithful and fully repay the proud person. That word preserve is, means to guard. It also means to protect but God will serve as a watchman over your life, constantly guarding you because of your faithfulness. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 26. God will reward every man for their faithfulness. And Samuel 26 and verse 23 says this. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, and I will not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed... I love this story because this was a time where David was being chased around by Saul, hiding and running, running and hiding constantly for a long period of time. And on two occasions, David had a chance to end the problem by killing Saul. And by killing Saul, would solve all the problems that he had. He would stop running, he could stop hiding, he can go back home and even take over as king. But he also recognized that Saul was God's anointed. And he was faithful to God and not killed him. And because of that, he said this, the Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. See, because he knew something. In verse 24, he says, As truly as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all my troubles. Because he valued the life of Saul, he knew God would do the same for him. And so he remained faithful and he says the, the Lord rewards every man for his faithfulness. <clears throat> Go back to 1 Timothy 1.12. as I get ready to close. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 says this, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. There's something about that verse that really jumps at me when I read that. Because God is looking for faithful people that he can trust to do the work of the ministry. Men and women that would do God's work, committed, dedicated, devoted, unwavering. This is the kind of faithfulness that God is relying on for us. This This is where great rewards and benefits come because of this. Now let me end with this. How many of you know Charles Spurgeon? Have you ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Yeah, He was considered the, the, the Billy Graham of the late 19th century. And it goes on to say where this man was accustomed to preaching to thousands of people in London every Sunday. Imagine coming to a church and preaching to thousands every Sunday. But he didn't start that way from the beginning. Because he goes on to say that he started his ministry by simply passing out tracts and teaching Sunday school classes every Sunday. But soon after that, he was eventually invited to these obscure places, way out of the way places in small groups and small gatherings. He would go into all these countrysides and preached before he became one of the greatest preachers of all. He said this. He says, I'm perfectly sure That if I had not been willing to preach to those small gatherings of people in obscure country places. I should never have the privilege of preaching to thousands of men and women in large buildings all over the land. Great success always starts with small beginnings. Great accomplishments always starts with small beginnings. But if you're faithful in the small beginnings... And not expect to sow and reap on the same day. But sow and stay faithful until you do reap. And expect your harvest. You'll see how God will use you to do great things in your lives. Stay faithful. Be faithful to God. And if you're not there, start today. Be trustworthy to the Lord. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins... He's faithful, trustworthy, reliable enough to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. Father God, I trust, Lord God, that you spoke to every person in this room. Father God, that the Holy Ghost got their attention to speak and to make clear the word and the message that you try to get across to them. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that as they leave here, that, they will, that you will continue to minister to them. And Father, I give you all the glory and the praise, Father God, as you begin to start building in them the spirit of faithfulness. Father God, that they will serve you with a faithful heart, enthusiastically, Father God. And, and Lord, being tr- trustworthy enough to be called into the ministry, to, to be used of you, Father God, to do a mighty work. Father, help us to be faithful even through the tough times, Father God knowing that in due season Lord God, hallelujah they will reap if we faint not and so Father I thank you for the words that were spoken here tonight I thank you Father God for reviving our spirit and making our spirit alive and Lord we look forward to a journey that is faithful and true As we serve you with all of our hearts, all the days of our lives. And for this, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. At this time.